we're in a moment right now where there is a lot of confusion and rapid change in the economy and the environment and meeting with people and just just feeling and, and sensing the excitement that they had to have leaders that would truly represent them that really resonated. This is MCV Cast. I'm Aaron Murphy, Executive Director of Montana Conservation Voters, and that was Dr. Cora Newman, a former U.S. Senate candidate and founder of We Are Montana, a brand new health information and training hub. We'll check in with Cora in a few minutes. I'm here with Deputy Director Whitney Tawney from Bozeman and Political Director Jake Brown from Helena, and we begin today by throwing a penalty flag over political shenanigans within the U.S. Postal Service. Protesters outside the downtown post office say they're concerned with the Postal Service dismantling machines and decreasing service and continue to worry the measures could affect mail-in balloting. And there's the rub. You may remember that President Trump just a few days ago admitted on national TV that his sabotage of the U.S. Postal Service was in fact a deliberate effort to undermine mail-in voting. His postmaster general, a mega donor named Louis DeJoy, told the U.S. Senate this week that any further changes to the Postal Service would happen after Election Day, which is November 3rd. But it may be too little, too late. Already under Postmaster DeJoy's direction, the USPS has removed numerous mailboxes across Montana and mail sorting equipment. This past Saturday, August 22nd, the U.S. House voted to send $25 billion to the USPS to keep the Postal Service on track as we count down to Election Day. Both Republicans and Democrats approved the emergency measure, but Montana's lone voice in the House, well, he voted against it. Greg Gianforte is now running for Montana governor. This week, his challenger, MCV-endorsed Mike Cooney, said Congressman Gianforte has more explaining to do. Well, Congressman Gianforte, talk is cheap, but votes are what matters. Montanans, we're counting on you to stand up for us, to stand up for our Postal Service, and you failed. Our veterans deserve better. Our rural communities deserve better. Our seniors deserve better. All Montanans deserve better. We have the best postal service in the entire world, made up of some of the hardest working women and men I've ever met. Protecting the postal service should not be a partisan issue, but it's clear that our representative in Washington thinks otherwise. The U.S. Senate will not take up the House bill, which means the postal service will continue to deal with a rocky road ahead. That means voters should take note. Both Senators John Tester and Steve Daines rejected the cuts to service at the USPS, citing the importance of reliable service in rural America. Senator Tester had sharp words for Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell, saying, quote, The Senate can't keep its head buried in the sand just because Mitch McConnell wants to continue his summer vacation. Keeping on the Senate, our governor and MCV-endorsed candidate for Senate, Steve Bullock, is turning up the heat. He has asked the federal judge to take swift action and remove Trump's chief overseer of our public lands, William Perry Penley. Because although Penley's nomination to head the Bureau of Land Management has been withdrawn, he remains in his current acting position, making decisions for our public lands without any oversight or formal Senate vetting as the Constitution requires. Governor Bullock has filed a lawsuit against the BLM and Penley himself because Penley has been serving for over a year as acting director at the BLM without any Senate confirmation, which is illegal. So where are our elected senators? Senator John Tester continues to press for Penley's removal and questions Penley's post at the BLM and has done so since the beginning, given Penley's long anti-public lands record. 
He continued the fight by joining on to a letter with 46 other Senate colleagues asking Secretary Bernhardt to remove Penley from the Bureau of Land Management immediately. The letter reads, For the same reasons that Mr. Penley is unfit to be confirmed as director, he is unfit to exercise the authority of the director without being confirmed, and we ask that you remove Mr. Penley from his position. And we at MCV couldn't agree more. So where is our junior senator? No one knows, because per usual, Senator Daines is not talking to his constituents, which is why MCV is proud to continue our Stop Penley campaign. Learn more and help us continue to hold Senator Daines accountable, all at stoppenley.org. The U.S. Supreme Court has denied an appeal by Secretary of State Corey Stapleton to restore the Green Party candidates to the Montana ballot in November. Just as a reminder to our listeners, the Republican Party bankrolled an effort to place Green Party candidates on the ballot in an effort to siphon votes away from Democratic candidates. The actual Green Party has made it abundantly clear that they had nothing to do with this effort. The ruling makes it increasingly difficult for Stapleton to tamper with the election. Ballots must be printed and sent overseas to absent and military voters by September 18th. He could still file an appeal, but it seems for now that the Greens will be off the general election ballot. To no one's surprise, Montana Republicans this week formalized President Trump's nomination at the RNC convention in Charlotte, North Carolina. Montana affectionately and enthusiastically uh, gives its its 27 votes to the next uh, president, Donald J. Trump. God bless America. That was Don Kaltschmidt, the chair of the Montana GOP, who added, And we have at least five guns in every home. But, Jake Brown, what really stuck out to us was what the RNC did or didn't do with a controversial public lands plank of their party platform. And we love you, President That's Trump. right, Murph. The RNC chose not to pass a party platform, but instead readopted their 2016 platform, which pretty clearly advocates for a federal land transfer. It calls on, quote, all national and state leaders and representatives to exert their utmost power and influence to urge the transfer of federally owned lands. That's similar to the Montana GOP's party platform, which calls on Congress and the U.S. president to, quote, fully exert their efforts and powers to support returning federally managed public lands to the states. This is startling because, Almost everyone agrees that a federal land transfer is step one in selling off our public lands. So we called out this controversial platform for what it is. We called on all of our Republican elected officials to reject this extreme platform on the grounds that if you claim to support Montana's public lands, you cannot endorse this dangerous platform. However, we won't be waiting with bated breath. This week, in a 5-2 decision, the Montana Supreme Court sided with solar power developers who accused Northwestern Energy of trying to block renewable energy projects. This case was known because of one of our elected public service commissioners, Bob Lake, who was caught on microphone acknowledging the strategy. Just dropping the rate that much probably took care of the This win should give solar a better playing field in the future and help make Montana the renewable energy state we all know it can be. With COVID-19 surging across Montana and as wildfire smoke smothers our communities, we at MCV are always interested in exploring how our public health intersects with climate change and our public lands. That critical intersection is where we find today's guest. 
Dr. Cora Newman is this week's guest and someone whose work we've been following since she announced her campaign for the U.S. Senate last year. Today, Cora has her hands full with a new nonprofit organization she founded called We Are Montana to support public health leadership across rural and native Montana. And of course, she's a member of MCV. Cora earned her master's degree in public health from Columbia University and a PhD in public health and development from the University of Oxford. She joins us here in Bozeman. Hi, Cora. Thanks so much for being here. Thank you very much for having me. Tell us more about We Are Montana, why you founded it, and where you hope it goes. Um, As you know, as you followed my campaign, one of the central tenets of my campaign for U.S. Senate here in Montana was focused on public health. I actually, my own story, um, I was impacted by loss. We lost my father when I was a baby to a lumber mill accident. And if we had been closer to good care, he may have survived. Um, And so it was a central tenet of my campaign, really meeting with people, Montanans across the state, hearing their stories, understanding what it is that they need. And something that you hear time and time again is the challenges with accessing care especially in rural and native communities. And so stepped out of my campaign uh, and took some of those resources and that that focus and, and just launched this nonprofit that's focused on making sure leaders across the state at every level have the resources that they need to serve their communities. Cora, clearly you've seen a need for more health information resources across Montana, especially in more rural parts of our state and in tribal nations. What exactly was it that made you realize there was such a need for this organization? One of the things that uh, I heard as I was meeting with people across the state was challenges around distance to care. Uh, And one of the things about public health, it's, you know, if public health is working, it's in the background and you don't even know it's there. Um, But one of the things about public health is that it really starts at the household level and goes right up to the clinic and hospital. Um, There is public health, ways to be a public health leader at every level, especially when communities and families have such challenges accessing care. There are people who are driving three to five hours to access a clinic. And there are ways that that you can, through telemedicine and getting information uh, into families' hands and local, local leaders' hands, that you could actually help address some of those gaps in places that are very rural. The COVID-19 outbreak has forced so many new challenges and changes when it comes to our healthcare system. What is Montana doing right now? What can we do better? Thank you. Well, I've been really impressed with the very swift and decisive action by our leaders at the state level. Um, There's pretty significant gaps at the federal level when it comes to COVID response in this country, unfortunately. But we have uh, a governor who listened to the public health experts and acted swiftly Uh, shut our state down, closed our schools down sooner than even other states in this region, uh, and really, really helped flatten the curve significantly. The challenge with um, COVID and and a pandemic like this is that, unfortunately, the economy has to take a hit at the same time. If we can strengthen our public health systems and make sure that we have, for any future pandemic, if we have the stockpiles that we need, uh, which also we need better leadership at the federal level for that, but if we can have the stockpiles we need and have our public health leaders across the state trained up to respond, we will not have to use the economy as a tool to slow a pandemic. Because as we know in Montana, you know, we are a state that's fueled by small businesses, fueled by the outdoor industry. We need our tourism. We need our small businesses to thrive. And so, you know, there's a lot we've learned um, that will help us prepare better for the next pandemic. Cora, why specifically does We Are Montana have such a sharp focus on, on Native communities in this state, and how does the organization work with them exactly? 
Yeah. So my background, as as uh, as Whitney mentioned in the intro, I studied public health uh, at in my, for my master's and PhD, and worked with rural and native communities around the world and here in the U.S. And so it's it's something that I have a pretty deep understanding of personally, the needs among indigenous communities. But the other thing that we're seeing. Uh, not only in Montana, but across the country, is that COVID is have a, having a very disproportionate impact on Native communities. We see rates in some of our Native communities in Montana that are 20 times higher than non-Native communities. Uh, it's very, very dangerous disease for those with pre-existing conditions. So our elderly rural and isolated communities, as well as our native communities are the most susceptible to this disease. And so I, knowing that, um, I had worked on Ebola in 2014, um, and have worked on communicable diseases with native communities. And so knowing that I tried really hard to, to, to stay ahead of the curve and get tools and resources into the hands of native leaders, even back in March, uh, right from the beginning, just knowing that this was going to most likely really disproportionately impact them. Uh, and it's really been devastating for some communities. Let's talk about building power via the Global First Ladies Alliance, which you founded more than a decade ago. Why and what does it do? Thank you. Yes, I have been very honored to work with First Ladies, all of the U.S. First Ladies except for the current and First Ladies across the U.S. through my uh, the Global First Ladies Alliance. I started that initiative um, when I learned about a group of First Ladies in Africa that had actually organized themselves around advocacy around HIV AIDS, which was really having a major impact on the continent, still is, but um, they've made a lot of progress. But I learned about this group of first ladies, and it was really a light bulb moment that I had. Um, we, I'd been working in health and development for many years, and we know in that field that you can never have enough leaders. There's so much space and so much need for leadership. And so when I heard about this group of first ladies, I hadn't actually been specifically focused on women or women leaders, but I just had that light bulb moment where I thought these women are not necessarily, the power of this office is not necessarily being harnessed. There was no global initiative working with these women. Uh, and so I convened that, uh, the first summit in 2009 and really just listened to the first ladies. We put them on stage, which nobody had ever done. They had been asked to be spokespeople and champions for many organizational causes uh, but nobody had actually put them on stage and listened to them as experts. And I just think that deeply resonated with them at that time, um, that this was something that was focused specifically on their leadership. And it really just took off. Um, but really, the focus is around uh, elevating women's voices as authority, as leaders. And in some countries in Africa, first ladies are, are considered the mother of the country. Um, they have a unique ability they're not political, even though they're married to a politician. And so they have this unique ability to cut through sectors and speak directly to the people. Um, and I think we saw that. We've seen that with Laura Bush and Michelle Obama. Um, they have you know, a very benevolent position as first lady and have been able to do a lot for women and families across this country. And so uh, it really was just recognizing leadership that was already there. Part of MCV's mission is to empower communities to fight for clean air and clean water from within um, among themselves. And we find it pretty wild that we still have to fight for those things and educate folks and communities about them. But this is something you've been doing your whole career. So what advice do you have for organizations like ours and our members specifically to keep this fight front and center? Well, first of all, let me take a moment to applaud the work of MCV. Um, you're really leading the charge across Montana um, and the conservation voters across the country. So I've been really honored to be a member and really um, have been 
have learned a lot from you as well. So I want to just also thank you for the work that you do. Uh, one of the things that I think growing up in Montana, and I heard this from a lot of Montanans, I grew up here in Bozeman, we feel like we are part of the land and water, uh, very connected, let me just say. Um, we understand, I think, intrinsically that our health is bound to the health of the land and water and air around us. Um, and so for me, part of the reason I ended up going into public health was because I had that understanding of how important it was to address health on all fronts. Public health is not just going to the clinic or the doctor. It is the, it is the air you breathe, the water you drink, the land you live on and, and harvest your food from, the animals, the wildlife here in Montana, right, that we hunt and uh, sustains us, they all need to be healthy in order for us to be healthy. And so one of the things that we're hoping to do through We Are Montana um, and, and just through ongoing work is to really draw that link between health and the planet um, and, and help people see that it's, it's not, a, conservation is not something separate from yourself. It's actually part of your and your family's ability to be healthy and thrive. And that is exactly what uh, we are hoping to partner with you on in the future as well. So healthcare was front and center in your U.S. Senate campaign, and you ended that campaign after Governor Steve Bullock entered the race back in March. But we know that campaign took you to all corners of the state. So what was the thing that was most surprising that you learned on the campaign trail? I love this question. Um, there are many things that I learned and loved about, about being a candidate. Really, the reason I wanted to run was to get out and meet, meet people and really understand their needs so that we could represent them. Our elected leaders should represent the people of Montana, not their own personal interest, <laughs> which we have some challenges with, with our leaders here. Um, but beyond loving just meeting with people and hearing stories, um, was seeing how excited people were to have hope. We're in a moment right now and even before COVID hit, we're in a moment right now where there is a lot of confusion and rapid change in the economy and the environment and meeting with people and just, just feeling and, and sensing the excitement that they had to have leaders that would truly represent them and bring their voices to Washington was something that I, that I thought was really, that really resonated. One of the things that really did surprise me uh, in my conversations with Montanans across the state was that there's actually a movement among the younger generation. There's been a lot of, of challenges in, in farming and ranching and small businesses across the state where young people are moving away and not coming back. Uh, and parents are really struggling to continue their business and continue their livelihood. And one of the things that I heard in some of our smallest towns like Weibo um, out in eastern Montana was that young people are coming back to Montana. The new generation, the next generation, my generation and younger, uh, are coming home to take over their family, the ranches, and then small businesses in small towns across Montana. And so I thought that was really, you kind of expected to hear about towns dying out, and that is happening as well. But we also heard equal stories of the next generation coming home to Montana because, I mean, I've always thought Montana is the best place on earth, but I think that young people are really looking for opportunities to come back. Um, and we're actually, now that COVID has hit, we're seeing more people come back because they're realizing what they had here in Montana. Well, that resonates with me. But now for the question that's on every Montanan's mind, can we expect you to run again for office in the future? Yes. <laughs> I mean, my um, I've, I've spent my career working uh, to serve 
communities in the U.S. and around the world. And I have, a, I personally have a really strong call to public service. And I think, you know, I'd worked globally for quite some time. And I think once when Trump won, I felt this incredibly strong urge to really come home and focus on being home and serving my home um, and my country. And so I have a really, just a really strong urge to serve. Um, and it, to me, it's not about the level. A lot of people ask me why U.S. Senate and my answer was pretty clear because that was my experience. I'd worked at the State Department. I'd worked internationally. But I believe that every single level of government is equally important, from the school board to mayors to, to, to county commissioners, um, all the way up. Every single seat is important. And for me, I'm interested in serving. It's actually not the level of office. It's just being able to uh, be in a position where I can serve my community. So, yes. Well, folks, you've heard it here. She will run again. Dr. Cora Newman, the founder of We Are Montana from Bozeman. Thank you so much for being here. We really appreciate it. Thank you. So good to be here with both Whitney, Aaron, and the MCV family. Thank you all very much. The views and statements of our guests do not necessarily reflect those of Montana Conservation Voters, its members, its staff, or its board of directors. We have a link to Cora Newman's organization, We Are Montana, in our show notes. Before we go, we'll check in one more time with political director Jake Brown, who's tracking the latest political fundraising numbers. One of MCV's candidates broke a pretty big fundraising record. Mike Cooney raised over $720,000, while Greg Gianforte raised $580,000, but still loaned himself another million. Cooney breaks the record for money raised by donors in this financial period. For some context, Steve Bullock raised a little more than 500k when he was running for governor in 2016 during this same financial period. Despite Cooney breaking fundraising records, he still has to compete with the massive personal wealth that Gianforte brings to the race. So far, Gianforte has given himself over two and a half million dollars this election cycle. Gianforte is one of the wealthiest members of Congress. In 2016, he gave his gubernatorial campaign millions of dollars, but still lost anyway. On Thursday, October 1st, Montana Conservation Voters holds its annual fundraising gala, and you are invited to attend. We originally planned for this to be an in-person event in Livingston, Last year's gala at the Livingston Depot packed the house, and we were hoping to make it even bigger and better this year. Then this year happened. The good news? Well, the fact that we're holding a virtual event means anyone and everyone can attend from anywhere in the world, but we need your help. While our online program is free to watch, we are asking our members and supporters to keep in mind that this is a critical fundraising event for MCV, and with an uncertain economy and a pandemic this year, fundraising has been a challenge for us. And this is where we want to bring in Shelly Sidlitzak, MCV's Development Director. Hi, Shelly. Hi, Murph. How are you? Doing pretty good. So how are we moving forward with this year's gala? Well, thanks for the intro. Yeah, we are moving to our first ever virtual event, and we're actually excited to announce that our featured guest speaker is award-winning chef Doug Adams, who you actually might recognize from the hit Bravo TV show, Top Chef, where he finished in the top three. Doug has a really strong connection to Montana in the Bitterroot Valley, and he's actually going to be sharing his story with us and at the same time showing us how to fillet and crisp the skin of a trout. <laughs> I love that. Uh, what are opportunities uh, for sponsors and, and guests this year? I know you've, you've spent a lot of time making things exciting. 
Yeah, so including Doug Adams, we're also going to have other exciting guests, including MCB endorsed candidates that will be joining us throughout the program to highlight the importance of MCB's work that is simply not possible without our members' contributions. So you had mentioned that the event is free to attend, but because it is our largest fundraising event of the year with a $40,000 fundraising goal, we would appreciate donations of $75 or more, even if you're unable to attend the gala, so we can sustain our important work of protecting Montana's outdoor heritage for future generations. And actually, it's a perfect time to give during the gala this year because we have an anonymous donor who has volunteered to match dollar for dollar any donation made as part of the gala up to $20,000, which means anyone donating your support is going to be doubled. So this is actually a great time to get involved. As you mentioned, we also have different levels of sponsorships ranging from $150 to 5,000 and have some new benefits as part of the sponsorships, um, including some free tickets to our new raffle that we're doing this year, Patagonia trucker hats and duffel bags that actually have the I Love Public Lands image on the front um, that you've likely seen from our stoppenley.org campaign. Especially with that match, this is a really good opportunity for folks. So where can people go to be part of our event on October 1st? You can visit us online at mtvoters.org backslash gala to register for the actual gala, to become a sponsor, to make a donation and purchase some raffle tickets. As part of the raffle drawing this year, the tickets are $20 each or six for $100. And we have some pretty cool prizes that I think um, are going to be exciting to be able to give out this year. One of which is lunch with Senator John Tester and our very own Erin Murphy. Um, a full day guided fly fishing trip on the Yellowstone. Beautiful photography prints from Livingston photographer and naturalist Tom Murphy. A Kimber Hunter rifle, Chico Hot Springs winter getaway, and more. So again, tickets are $20 each or six for 100. And if you visit us at mtvoters.org backslash gala, you'll see all the information related to the gala and the raffle. Yeah, a lot of really cool stuff uh, available to win and uh, and help us in the process. Really, thank you for your time putting this together, Shelley. And again, that website is mtvoters.org slash gala, G-A-L-A. Shelley Sidlizak is MCV's Development Director. Again, our annual gala takes place at 5 p.m. on Thursday, October 1st. Thanks, Shelley. Thank you. Thanks to all our supporters. This is our 10th and final episode of Season 2 of MCV Cast. That means we'll be back in a few weeks with Season 3 and an all-new lineup of interesting guests. Stay tuned for some exciting names in Season 3. In the meantime, you can find all 21 episodes of MCV Cast on our website. That's mtvoters.org slash podcast or wherever you subscribe to podcasts. Our thanks to Bill Lombardi for MCV Cast's original music. We'll close today with a listen to a brand new ad from MCV's endorsed U.S. House candidate, Kathleen Williams, speaking here while filleting a fish and getting her hands dirty. For Whitney Tani, Jake Brown, and Shelley Sidlizak, I'm Aaron Murphy. We'll be back soon. In Montana, you either embrace our way of life or you get out of our way. We respect the land, respect our right to own a gun, and respect the farmers and ranchers, those who've worked the land for generations. We honor our veterans like my dad and late husband with far more than lip service. And we don't buy the nonsense coming out of Washington. 
I've spent much of my life protecting what makes Montana special, and I'm not afraid to get my hands a little dirty to get the job done. I'm Kathleen Williams, and I approve this message.